Hello. Welcome to Hope Stream FM Weekly Bible Study Review. My name is Pastor Solomon Odinyebuchi O'Connor. The title of this week's lesson is Covenant at Sinai. The key text is from Exodus chapter 19 verse 4. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Shall we pray? Awesome Father, hallowed be your name. Thank you again for blessing us with another opportunity to study a word. I pray, dear Lord, that through this lesson you will bring us closer to yourself and cause us to appreciate your continuous attempts to reconcile us to yourself. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This week's lesson begins with one of HMS Richard's stories adapted from page 4 Free Grace Voice of Prophecy News, June 1950. A little boy, one of seven children, had an accident and was taken to the hospital. In his home, there was hardly enough of anything. He had never had more than just a part of a glass of milk. If the glass of milk was full, it was shared by two children. And whoever drank first had to be careful not to drink too far. After the little fellow was made comfortable in the hospital, the nurse brought him a large glass of milk. He looked at it desirously for a moment, and then with a memory of deprivation at home, he asked, How deep shall I drink? The nurse, with her eyes shining and a lump on her throat, said, Drink all, child, drink all. Like this little boy, it was the privilege of ancient Israel as it is ours to drink deeply from the wells of salvation. Israel's deliverance from centuries of oppression and deprivation was a marvelous exhibition of divine grace. This same divine grace is involved in our own deliverance from sin and is still available today. What imagery did God use to describe his relationship with Israel? In what ways are the stories of Exodus similar to the story of salvation? What was the role of the law and the Sinai covenant? These questions and more will be answered in this week's lesson. On Eagles' Wings Exodus 19 verse 4 You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Israel was lost in idolatry and paganism and her knowledge of God and his goodness was lost after centuries of slavery in Egypt. But how could God win Israel back to himself? God began to woo Israel back into a loving response to his covenant. This would culminates in his mighty act of deliverance. Exodus 19 verse 4 describes the manner in which the Lord brought Israel from Egypt to Sinai. And Deuteronomy 32, 10 to 12 shows that God has always been aware of a human helplessness to live right with him. He is very much aware of your helplessness right now, so you can depend on him for help. While Exodus 19 verse 4 uses the imagery of an eagle, Psalm 103 verses 14 and 15 uses the imagery of a mother carrying a child to relate God's concern for Israel's well-being and by extension, his concern for us. Among the birds, the eagle was known for its devotion to its young ones. It carried its young on its back to great heights that enemies could not reach. So when God in Exodus 19 verse 4 said that he bore Israel on eagles' wings, 
He meant that he carried Israel far away from danger to safety. Today, God still bears his faithful children on his wings like eagles, and you and I can be beneficiaries of this privilege. The Pattern of Salvation, Exodus 6, verse 7 And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. The deliverance of Israel from Egyptian slavery and the deliverance of Noah from the flood are two prominent salvific events in the Bible. But notice that in both cases, God uses the word I to describe what he was going to do. It reveals that he was going to be personally involved. In the same manner, he is always personally involved in matters concerning his children. He is personally involved in matters concerning you. In Israel, if a member of a family was in debt or had lost his freedom, another member of the family, usually a king, was qualified to redeem him. So when God said to Israel in Exodus chapter 6 verse 6, I will redeem you, he was literally saying to these Hebrew minds who heard him first and who understood him, I will act as a kingsman redeemer to you. Israel apparently had no earthly relative to redeem her, so God assumed the position of Israel's king in order that Israel may be ransomed. The idea of ransoming or buying required a price. This was exactly what Jesus came to achieve, not only for Israel, but for all of humanity. When he dried on the cross of Calvary, when he shed his blood on the cross of Calvary, he brought us back to himself. He paid the price for our sins. The Sinai Covenant, Exodus 19, verses 1 to 2. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai, for they were departed from Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mounds. The book of Exodus draws the reader's attention to three major events, the Exodus itself, the establishment of a covenant, and the building of the tabernacle. The covenant plays a vital role in the plan of salvation. In the covenant, God revealed himself more fully than before the covenant was established. God wanted Israel to understand that redemption had a greater and more significant meaning than merely freedom from physical bondage. God wanted Israel to understand that the ultimate redemption from sin was possible because of the sacrifice that the Messiah made on the cross of Calvary. This was the reason why God instructed Israel to build a sanctuary and establish his services in order that he may fully reveal to them the plan of salvation. The covenant is nothing if not a covenant of salvation, which the Lord freely offers to fallen humanity. It was this covenant that the Lord instituted at Sinai and perfected on the cross of Calvary, God and Israel's obedience. Exodus 19 verse 5 Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. In Exodus 19, the Lord proposed his covenant with the children of Israel. The Lord called Israel, but this call was not automatic. Israel had a choice to accept the call or not. Even the deliverance 
of Israel from Egypt required Israel's cooperation. They would not have been delivered if they had not cooperated. In the same way, we cannot enjoy God's grace unless we accept the free offer. We do not merit God's grace by works. It has been freely offered to us, but it requires obedience and faith. We have a choice to accept it or not. Think about the fact that God did not just deliver Israel miraculously from Egyptian bondage, but he also chose to make them his treasured possession, a nation of priests, and to use them to preach the gospel to the nations. Like Israel, God has also chosen us to be a royal priesthood unto him. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 But we may accept it or reject it. The choice is ours. Promises, promises. Romans 9 verses 31 and 32 But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, had not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law, for they stumbled at a stumbling stone. We have seen the, the sequence of how the Lord gave Israel the covenant and how Israel responded to the covenant. Our relationship with God must be founded upon faith. Faith provides the basis upon which our relationship with Him strives. Work, no matter how purely motivated, no matter how sincere, no matter how numerous, can't make us acceptable in the sight of a holy God. Work could not save Israel in their time and cannot save us in our time. We are saved only by grace. The Bible stresses time and time again that work cannot make us acceptable in God's sight. We shall be saved only through the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross of Calvary. Isaiah 53 verse 6, 64 verse 6 and Romans chapter 3 verse 23. We need to be careful, however, not to understand this to mean that we have been offered license to sin. To this idea, Paul questions, Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Then he answers with a resounding God forbid. Romans 6 verses 1 and 2. A life of obedience is a loving response to the salvation which God has already offered us by grace. Unfortunately, the Hebrew people believe that their work will save them. They followed the Sinai covenant as though their salvation depended solely on obedience of the law. The problem with ancient Israel was not just the keeping of the law, but their attitude towards the rendering of the obedience. Today, we still have Christians who believe that they will be saved by works. Why is it wrong for us to try to establish our own righteousness? Why should you avoid falling into this sin? Please discuss your answer with someone. In conclusion, God has fully offered the divine grace required for our emancipation from sin. God's attitude towards his people has been that of care and love. God has continued to reconcile himself to lost humanity, and the covenant at Sinai was the beginning of what he fully accomplished on Calvary. Our relationship with God must be funded on faith. Please pray with me. Thank you, our great God, for this lesson. Thank you for your everlasting interest in saving us. Help us, Father, to yield to your love daily so that we can attract your blessings into our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. For questions and contributions, you can reach me on WhatsApp through 
plus 234-903-789-1680. Or you can send an email to Sabbath School Lesson Summary at gmail.com. God bless you.